Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Good afternoon, good afternoon. Welcome to America's Heroes Group on WVON 1690 AM, the talk of Chicago. I am Vietnam veteran host Cliff Kelly. America's Heroes Group is a live streaming podcast, global platform, radio, print, and digital media broadcast show that empowers change agents through intentionally disseminating information, resources, and referrals to empower our military population. And welcome to America's Heroes Group Roundtable with partner Veteran Healthcare Policy Institute. Today is Saturday, October 16th, 2021. October is National Breast Cancer and Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Thanks to the host, Cliff Kelly. My name is Sean Claiborne. I'm the co-host today, American uh, Heroes Group. Also, Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly is our great host who actually gave us our announcement this, uh, earlier in this broadcast. Our executive producer is Glenda Smith, and our digital media producer is Ivan Ortega of Scouts Honors Productions. So we have a great panel today. Uh, we're going to talk about some things that are really, really important, especially when it comes down to the VA system and also uh, what's important about leadership in the VA system. If you're listening to us on our uh, live Facebook Live, thanks for tuning in. Please join America's group now on our global live streaming on Facebook radio talk show. Like and share so others will become connected to information and resources. You can also listen to America's Heroes Group on I, on the iHeartRadio app. Just search America's Heroes Group and watch us on digital TV streaming on Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Apple TV, and through our partner, Zondra TV Networks. That's Zondra, Z-O-N-D-R-A, on the Roku app. Now, we have a great guest. Her name is Susan Gordon. Now, Susan is the uh, Veterans Healthcare Policy Institute Senior Policy Analyst. And the, uh, that Veterans Healthcare Policy Institute is actually a, a nonpartisan think tank focused on veterans' issues. You might have heard Suzanne on CBS Radio's NBR's Marketplace. You might also might have seen her some of her articles in Harper's, The Atlantic, New York Times, The Boston Globe, and The LA Times. And she has done lots of lectures across the country on this topic. Suzanne, are you with us today? I am. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. So you've authored about 21 books. Is that correct? Is that count correct right now? That is correct. Authored, edited, or co-authored. Okay. And then some of the things you're talking about have to do with veterans' health care and also about better practices in the healthcare field. Is that right? Yes. Um, I wrote a book called Wounds of War, How the VA Delivers Health, Healing, and Hope to the nation's veterans, and I helped found with my colleagues uh, the Veterans Healthcare Policy Institute. Okay. So tell us now, let me explain something here. There's one thing you wanted to talk about is the the vital uh, role that's unfilled at the VA, the Undersecretary for Health. And so people yes. understand the Undersecretary for Health is the highest official directly responsible for veterans' health at the VA. Uh, this position is frequently held by a licensed physician. However, from what I understand, since 2017, been, there hasn't really been a full-time person in that role. Is that right? Yeah. The, um, there's um, The Trump administration had, they didn't nominate 
for, you know, confirmation at the Senate, a permanent undersecretary for health. They had an acting undersecretary who was a physician named Dr. Richard Stone. And then um, since he was elected, Biden uh, seems to have continued that practice. And now there's a gentleman called Stephen Lieberman who is acting undersecretary. But having an acting rather than a permanent position is is really not a good idea for a number of reasons. I mean, the dynamic of having an acting person rather than someone who's a, a leader who's been vetted and chosen and nominated in his own right or her own right um, means that they tend to be quite dependent on the leadership of the secretary rather than really leading um, and they tend to be more sort of managerial role, um, you know, manager rather than a leader. And um, it's just a bad dynamic. And then in the field, when you don't have an acting, I mean, a, a permanent leader, you know, folks in the field go, well, this person is replaceable. Why should I listen to them, you know? Um, so it's generally not a good idea. And it's not clear to us um, at VHPI or to other people that we've talked to, whether the Biden administration has really a kind of a robust vision for the VHA or for the VA in general, but I think for the Veterans Health Administration, which is the largest sub-agency in the VA, Mm -hmm. the Department of Veterans Affairs, I think the attitude tends to be, just don't give us embarrassing headlines, not really this kind of proactive we have this great healthcare system. What are we going to do to to strengthen it and expand it and promote it? And that's, I think, if you you need somebody who's very highly highly qualified at the top, um, and and who's permanent, you know, and appointed and so forth. So why has it been so difficult to fill this role? And we can go back to 2017. I think the last act, the last actual uh, undersecretary we had was David Shulkin, and he got promoted. And then he was ousted um, not long after that, after his promotion. Yeah, so Shulkin um, came in in 2014 after the Phoenix wait time problems. And Shulkin was, you know, I mean, had no experience of a public health care system nor no VA experience. And, I mean, I have a, a, a quite a, you know, a lot of concerns about his leadership, both as Undersecretary for Health and um as um, secretary of the VA, which he was briefly under Trump, uh, because I think he he really was a sort of a stealth privatizer. I mean, he he talked a good game when you talk to him and in some of the things he wrote. But when you look at what he did, I mean, he set up a a website um, on the VA basically advertising all the people he'd fired and disciplined. He um, really was promoted a a much smaller VA. He wanted to outsource things like um, audiology for hearing, which is a major specialty of the VA. He wanted to send veterans to the private sector. He wanted, he once famously said, there's a lens crafter on every corner, why do we have to do optometry? Mm. Um, and so I think his leadership, although he was permanent, 
uh, and appointed was was not necessarily full and robust. And but then under Trump, who really favored completely privatizing the VA, he had no interest in a strong leader who would have a, a vision of his own and and promote it to to strengthen the VA because he wanted to privatize it. Um, I'm not convinced that the Biden administration's leadership of the VA grasps the importance of the system, how it could be and has been a model for American health care, and why it needs strong leadership at the top. I'm not sure they want that. Mm. It sounds like not by not having that role filled, then, that it, it, you have less of a pushback if, you're, if your goal is to end, the end result be to privatize the VA system, the health care system, at least anyway. Then it might yeah, be easier to I do mean, that. I mean, I just don't, I think, I, I just think that the Biden administration, you know, having a, having the attitude of just don't give us any problems is, is not really a very productive one. The Obama administration really kind of had that attitude as well, and it didn't get them very far. It, it created problems, and I'm very concerned that if they don't have strong leadership at the helm, someone who has a bold vision. And and let me just say that this is, you know, this is, you know, the VA undersecretary for health is certainly not a household word. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, to many Americans, the Veterans Health Administration is, they don't really, you know, they, they see the signs for VA hospital, but they have no idea what's done there. They, you know, most Americans think every veteran can, can go to a VA hospital or medical center, or, and that's not true. Right, you know, exactly. they don't even know that there's all kinds of convoluted eligibility mm-hmm. requirements that stand in the way of many that getting care that they were promised and that Americans actually think they're getting. And they certainly have no idea who the undersecretary for health is, and they don't even, probably even know there is such a thing. Um, so this is kind of an obscure position, but it's extremely important, and it's very important for the Biden administration to get this position right, because, you know, this is a, the largest healthcare system in the country. It's the most complex. It now straddles private sector care because of, of the privatizers in Congress who've outsourced so much care to the private sector. Um, the the person who's the undersecretary needs to know about public health, population health. They need to know about the specific problems of veterans, which are very different than, you know, I mean, my problems, you know, as a 75-year-old woman. I mean, I don't have 15 presenting problems, you know. Um, they have to understand politics. They have to, you know, sit and be grilled by a very hostile uh, you know, these very hostile committees in Congress. Um, and the position, you know, probably is, it's in the low, you know, six figures. I mean, this is a person who's fun, fundamentally the CEO of the largest healthcare system in the country. Mm-hmm. The equivalent position in the private sector, they would earn you know, fifteen million right. a year. Yeah, about, about to say, but the thing of it is, is that this this position has so much controversy and history behind it. I mean, but previous to Shulkin, you had two guys: the Rob, Robert Pretzel, the VA, and also the VA Secretary Eric uh, Shinseki. I remember, I remember back then they quit because of the tons of controversy with what you mentioned before the Phoenix incident, where forty veterans yeah, were dying. Yeah, I mean, Shinseki. 
Shinseki was forced to resign, and so was Petzl. And, um, and you know, so it's, it's, it's the, the average tenure of a VA secretary is about 18 months. The most famous and I think best VA secretary, VHA secretary, undersecretary for health was Ken Kaiser in the, in, under Bill Clinton, uh, and he served five years, and that was the longest tenure in VA history. I mean, this is an inherently, you know, unstable position, even if you have a bold vision and you, ha- and, and you have an administration supporting the VA, because, you know, let's say right now they, they you know, found the perfect candidate who would be willing to take a pay cut and, and you know, has all the qualifications and, and would like to sign up for an essentially thankless job, you know, I mean, it's inherently short term because they can't say to this candidate, oh, don't worry, you know, Joe or Jane or whatever your name is, um, you'll be there for 10 years. I mean, their boss, i.e. the president, has no guarantee that they'll be Mm reelected. It's a hard position to fill. And, you know, if you don't have, if, if the administration doesn't really make it clear that they want somebody with a bold vision and they'll support that somebody, then, you know, the person, the, any candidate worth their, their you know, weight will not be eager to join because they don't want to work for an administration that basically is reactive rather than proactive and will nix their ideas for political expediency. Mm-hmm. Now, what about all the issues that VA has had uh, in the last, you know, forever, it seems like, with I mean, there was an issue even with falsified records. I don't know if you can speak, speak oh, well, to that. Oh, well, that's not forever. That was a very short-term problem that was brought on by poor administrative decisions at the top. I mean, this was a this was a scandal that was created, not you know, inherent, mm-hmm. uh, because they were basically offered bonuses, administrators, to meet unrealistic wait time standards for getting appointments. Wow. And, you know, this was a bad decision. I mean, the VA, it has way better wait times than the private sector. Okay. I mean, you know, a friend of mine just tried to get a urology appointment, an older gentleman, uh, in the private sector and was told he'd have to wait for five months because urologists, you know, are not interested in a patient who they're just managing, you know, with medications rather than surgery. They save their slots for surgical patients because they can make more money. Mm-hmm. My friend would have gotten an appointment in two weeks in the VA. He had to wait four months in the private sector. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the private sector, a lot of veterans, and it's really tragic in my view, they really think that, you know, private sector health care is, is, is not only a greener pasture but a kind of perfect pasture. And, you know, they haven't, they have the, the, they have the, the luxury of having, you know, another system that they can go into if they don't like the one they're in. And I don't have that luxury. You know, I would love to be able to go to the VA uh, to get to, to, to get the kind of continuity and integrated care they offer. I know exactly what doctors I would pick, you know, mm-hmm. if, if I could go to the VA. I can't. I can't go to the VA under any circumstances. So you how, know? Would you, how would you grade the VA system then? Comparing it, so I'm going to ask you this question in a couple different ways because I'm trying to get a clearer picture as for, especially for people that are familiar with the VA system. 
So what grade would you give the VA um, now, provided that there's different sectors of the country and every VA, every VA system, um, depending on where you are in the country, is a little bit different? But Well, I think you, you just have to look at I mean, that's a very good question, and you have to look at the studies. I mean, they did a national study recently of veterans who are dual eligible. They have Medicare and Medi- and, and VA, mm-hmm. and they, they could go to the private sector under Medicare or the VA under, you know, the VA if they're eligible. And uh, they, 400, they, these Stanford economists uh, analyzed 400 different ambulance calls, and these veterans were taken kind of randomly to either a VA or a private sector hospital. And, um, you know, the veteran who went, veterans who went to the private sector hospital were twice as likely to die mm-hmm. in 28 days than, than they were at the VA. And they paid 21% more, either out-of-pocket payments, Medicare paid more. So, you know, there's all kinds of studies that show that the VA is better than the private sector on a, on a whole bunch of different measures. I mean, African-Americans, um, there's a couple of cardiac conditions that they do better than Caucasians in the VA because in the VA they have access to health care. And it's integrated health care, coordinated health care. Mm-hmm. So... Are there problems? Yes, of course. Are there clinicians, uh, you know, doctors, nurses, clerks who, you know, wake up on the wrong side of the bed or, or aren't as good as others? Of course. But I think as a whole, the system is very good in the models of care that it offers. I mean, I wish I could go to the VA. I really do. Hmm. Uh, I, I wish I had choice. You know, I don't have choice. Um, I'm stuck with a fee-for-service profit-driven private health care system uh, where, you know, I mean, it's it's kind of sometimes a joke if it weren't so tragic. You know, can I can you get good care in the private sector system? Of course. Are there some places that are good or better than others? Of course. But I think your model of care at the VA in general is a lot better. And if you're a veteran and you have a problem at the VA, how do you fix it? You don't fix it by leaving. You fix it by going to your congressman and making a fuss. And you can do that at the VA. If I don't get good care in the private sector and I call my congressman because, you know, my husband or friend can't get a urology appointment for four months, I mean, they'd hang up on me. They'd laugh. Mm-hmm. And then also, too, in the private sector, you have the you have the litigious uh, uh, factor where people are really eager and quick to sue when things don't go right. Yeah, and by the way, you know, you can be as litigious as you want in the private sector, but only 2.6% of actual malpractice cases, mm-hmm. that is, real malpractice cases, ever get to court. Mm-hmm. And we never learn from them because you have to sign a nondisclosure agreement if there's a settlement. Uh, so in the VA, every problem that uh, emerges, there's some kind of Office of the Inspector General report, Government Accountability Office report. We learn about those problems and how to fix them. You can't learn about problems in the private sector, um, you know, because because we don't know about them. Mm-hmm. And how do we get more consistency across it? Because here in Chicago, we're lucky. We have 
Jesse Brown, which is a great facility. We have the one in May, which is a great facility. But the problem is you have parts of the country, like in D.C., for example, where even the nurses spoke up years ago about the, the horrible care that was happening at the the, the D.C., the, uh, the Washington, D.C. VA. How do we well, get more I think, consistency? You know, I think there, there has to be leadership at the top. Mm-hmm. I mean, right now I'm very concerned about the fact that, you know, they've had some toxic leadership uh, in the regional level in in uh, San Francisco and also in Memphis. They've really had bad leadership at the Memphis VA. And who's watching that? You know, that's why you need an USH, why you need an undersecretary for health who's very focused, very qualified, and very committed, you know, to making sure that things run smoothly and, and effectively. I think there, I think there are probably less I mean, I I think that, you know, you have to make the distinction between an individual clinician or doctor or nurse or clerk or whatever who's not good in a system. And if you have three over 300-something employees, you're going to have some people who aren't great, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, kind of ipso facto. That's true in the private sector, too. But I think that, you know, overall, the... The studies show us that um, that the VA delivers better care on a whole lot of different measures, and um, I think the way you solve the problems in the system is through, you know, the, a leader at the very top, the secretary, having a bold vision, not just reacting, you know, but basically saying, "This is a great healthcare system. You are great." you know, employees for the most part, being supportive, and then making sure that, you know, regional management, local management has enough funding um, and so forth. I mean, Secretary McDonough, I'm sure, is, is a very dedicated gentleman, but, you know, he was on John Stewart talking about the burn pits, and Stewart asked him, don't, don't we need money to take care of, um, you know, the burn pit victims, I mean, the people who, who were affected by burn pits in post-9-11 conflicts? Mm-hmm. And he said, no, well, that's ridiculous. I mean, there are 3.5 million veterans who are potentially patients at the VA. Now, some of them may already be going there, but you need a lot more staff a lot more exam rooms, a lot more people, and a lot more money to take care of them. But of course, you know, part of the part of the the line that the administration is taking is we don't need more money because Congress doesn't want to give the money. You know. Well, thanks so, a lot, Miss Miss Gordon. Thanks for your time. We're running out of time. We're about to about get cut off for a commercial break. But thank you very much for your time, and thank you for giving us this information. We got to have you back on the air to talk more about this too. For having me. I appreciate it. Hi, I'm Cliff Kelly, Vietnam veteran and host of America's Heroes Group, the game changer in radio, print, and digital media programming. We are a roundtable talk show where information, resources, and referrals are provided intentionally every Saturday to empower our military population on WVON 1690 AM, the iHeart Radio app from 4 to 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. Please visit our website at www.americashd.org.
Hi, this is Cliff Kelly, the host of America's Heroes Group. If you or a loved one has been injured in an accident or the result of malpractice, you have only one chance to get the compensation you deserve. You need a law firm you can trust with experience and resources who will fight on your behalf. With a proven track record of excellence both in and out of the courtroom, call Seidman, Margulis, and Fairman at 312 312- 781-1977 for a free consultation or visit SeidmanLaw.net. That's Seidman, S-E-I-D-M-A-N, Law.net. Hey, Cliff, where can a veteran business owner go on the south side of Chicago for breakfast, lunch, and dinner meetings? I'm a veteran, and that's an easy answer. Pearl's Place on 39th and Michigan. Pearl's Place has free parking available across the street. Reasonably priced, quality food that tastes delicious. Veteran owners, there's no place like Pearl's Place. Governor of Talk Radio, your executive producer wants to know, where can I go for delicious shrimp? Any suggestions? Absolutely. The one and only veteran business owner, Harris Gulf Shrimp, at 7448 Vincennes. I personally eat there. The price and shrimp are nothing other than fantastic. Thank you, the one and only Governor of Talk Radio. Market, advertise, and sponsor your business with Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly and America's Heroes Group, where information and resources are intentionally disseminated via radio, print, and social media. Call our office for more details at 312-803-2618. Payback Law is proud to sponsor and partner with Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly and America's Heroes Group. I'm attorney Monica Ireland Karras of Tayback Law. If you're a veteran and you have been wrongfully denied your VA benefits or you feel your condition was not properly evaluated by the VA, visit TaybackAttorneys.com. At Tayback Law, we fight for those who fought for us. 414-375-1735. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.